back to habit of service. Good character is incredibly important. Um, I would say the, the ability to, to articulate their communication is critically important. I would say their ability to understand uh, and have empathy for anybody for any reason is critically important. Um, those are the kind of things that make up a recipe for a good, a good employee and a good person. Most of the stuff you can teach in our world, um, but you can't teach habit of service. You either have that or you don't. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, joining you once again for this new episode. This time, we are inviting on Mr. Sparky, owner and operator, George Saldana. He joins us live and in person in our studio all the way from San Antonio, Texas. It's going to be a great show. We're going to talk about a lot of things about developing an electrical business from the ground up to $7 million plus, and we're going to have a great conversation with him. But first... We're going to turn to Brian for a little bit of a breakdown, starting with our quote. The Fisher brothers built carriages during the horse-drawn buggy days. The automobile was invented, and all of a sudden, the transportation business changed. The Fisher brothers adapted. They started building chassis for auto manufacturers and distinguished themselves as the premier auto body manufacturer in the world. Today... The Fisher family offspring are designing chassis for hybrid vehicles. What happened to all the other horse-drawn carriage companies? They became obsolete. Great companies change and understand why they change. Jim Collins. I like it. Uh, can you spell Fisher for me? F-I-S-H-E-R. Okay. Is that correctly spelled or not? I uh, was reading directly from a quote from a, an article from uh, Jim Collins. Jim, that's the author of Good to Great, okay. Built to Last. Jim Collins, because there's yeah yeah there's some really uh, there's some really high end. I think it's Fisker cars. I was just wondering if they were the same or not. But great great way to start it off there, Brian. And of course, the idea there is to be prepared to innovate. In fact, I was just doing a uh, I, I volunteered in my son's fourth grade class the other week for a business curriculum. And we were talking about the difference between inventing and innovation. And I held up a cassette tape. <laughs> yes, that's a, uh, a cassette tape. And I asked the fourth grade class, who uh, they are about nine years old now, born in 2015, 2014, what is this? And uh, we struggled to come up with some answers about what a cassette tape was or what was on it. I think they knew what it was, but uh, there was a lot of like, oh, it plays a video. I'm like, hmm. no, no, it does not. <laughs> wow. It, it plays audio. <laughs> That's it. But I used it as an illustration for how we started with a cassette tape. And really, of course, there was eight tracks and everything before that. But we started with a cassette tape, and then that turned into the CD, and then the CD turned into the MP3 player. And I, hold, I held out my phone, and they're like, that's not an MP3 player. And I'm like, 
Oh, man. I'm totally missing the audience here. But regardless, the concept of how we evolve through the industry, we evolve through the marketplace, and we evolve through our own business. And that's something that George and the Fisher brothers are well acquainted with. Fisher Body was an automobile coach builder founded by the Fisher brothers in 1908 in Detroit, Michigan. Just like me, founded in 1979. (laughs) A division of General Motors for many years. In 1984, it was dissolved to form other General Motors divisions. Fisher and Company, originally, uh, originally alloy metal products, continues to use the name. The name and its iconic Body by Fisher logo were well known to the public as General Motors vehicles displayed a Body by Fisher emblem on their door still plates until the mid-90s. Oh, you can see the pic there. Oh, lovely. I will post a picture of the Fisher Body by Fisher emblem in the Waste No Day Facebook group. So if you're, if you're in there, you'll get to see it in the next couple of days. If you're not in there, uh, go ahead and find me or Nate on Facebook and friend us. Or find the Waste No Day Facebook group by searching for it, and we will admit you. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, 114 years ago, it was founded. It says 1908, 115 now. By Fred Fisher and Charles Fisher. So, yeah, one thing I like about the slow time, you know, like what we have going on right now, depending on, I guess, when you're listening to this, it's a quite warm February. It was 75 degrees yesterday here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which in February it could easily be below zero at this time of year. So one thing I like about having no weather that's beneficial for inbound calls being, especially in the HVAC world, despite the fact that we're HVAC plumbing and electrical, it, it all seems to run together. The fact that our HVAC team is slow because there's no slower because there's no weather driving inbound traffic always seems to mean that plumbing is slow and electrical is slow. They all seem to happen at the same time, which is weird, but it just means it's time to innovate. So I'll see Chris Hegel and Mike Vavrick, who run our call center, like innovating and meeting and planning and figuring new stuff out and new ways to get the boards full and our, our techs get more innovative in terms of getting more jobs sold, meaning everybody from CSR to dispatcher to technician to managers all are getting better and more efficient and more innovative to do more with less and change being a big part of that like it's where that book who moved my cheese comes in everything changes a little bit might be running different types of calls now seeing different types of clients the urgency is going to be far less naturally than it would be normally because you don't have a bunch of down systems but here we are still plugging along Still plugging along is right. And it is because of the innovation, like you spoke, Brian, that we're in a good position while other companies are not. You know, we we want and feel the benefit uh, of keeping our people working all the time as opposed to like, hey, yeah, just go, you know, go hang out in the parking lot or go sweep the warehouse. Listen, I get it. There's times that that has to happen. And it, it is what it is. But the more that you can keep your people busy in the field that they're supposed to be in, getting those reps in, the better. And if you can't train, and if you can't train, 
than role play. Always be doing something to improve your process, your presentation, your career, your opportunity, and specifically your mindset. Because in these times of struggle, in these times of you know challenge, the mindset can go to a dark place. And if you allow that to happen, you will quickly be distracted from the goals, the focus points, and the objectives. And that's where things start going sideways. Our guest joining us today, George, is well acquainted with the shifts in seasons, with the changes and the ebbs and flows in business. He's seen the highs. He's seen the lows. He's seen different versions of the industry. And he's worked his way through that to come to a point of understanding so much more about who he is, how he can empower the people around him to grow the business faster than he ever could by removing himself as the glass ceiling to what the business is capable of doing. And I'm really excited for that conversation today. But before we get into that, it is time now for our review of the week. We need some theme music, Brian. We need like a, a review of the week theme music, you know, that we can play in here. Uh, who do we have on the slot today? Happy listener, 03. Great all-around show, five stars. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great all-around podcast. Makes me proud to be in the trades. Drives you to be a better person. Great content every single episode. Thank you guys for giving back. P.S. Hoping to get enough reviews to hear a little chirp rap. Sweet mercy. <laughs> this uh, review was written in December of 2022. Ooh, sorry, that didn't happen. Yeah, if we got to a certain amount of reviews by the end of the year, little chirp. Nate's um, rap name was going to my alter ego, as it were. Yeah, he was going to have to write, produce, and play a rap on air, but we didn't get there. So <laughs> we're going to come up with another competition. And the worry. world is is uh, is lesser for it, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Thank you, happy listener. Oh three, we appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to find, figure out how to write a review on. Apple Podcasts. Um, if you have not done it and you listen on Apple, we'd appreciate you writing a review. And at some point, we will read that review on air. If you have Spotify, you can just click that five star and give us a five star rating. And I don't know, these days, probably all these places you can listen have some way to rate us. If not, tag us in a Facebook or LinkedIn post. A lot of people do that. And that that means a lot to us. That's pretty cool. And that's a good way to share the show and help us get a little bit bigger. So we appreciate your support in the only way we ask for it, which is reviews and shares. It is a great way to share the show, Brian. And right now we are going to share a new interview with you. Our guest is going to be Mr. George Saldana, and we're going to put him in your passenger seat right now. George Saldana was born in San Antonio, Texas. He has been married to a beautiful and supportive wife for 36 years and has three wonderful children, Jeff, Sherry, and Marcus. His hobbies include motorsport racing in the national organization, NASA, riding his Harley street glide, and hanging out in his backyard with his family by the pool. He studied business in junior college in the late 1970s and decided to open his first electrical contracting business at the ripe old age of 19. After obtaining his city electrical journeyman's license in 82, 
and his city and state master's electrical license in 89, George has continued to hone his knowledge through the annual continuing education courses and on-the-job expertise. With years of experience in multiple industries uh, across the electrical trade, George now joins us. Welcome to the show, George. Hey, how's it going, Nate? Everything going good? Going good, man. Fantastic. Uh, It's good to have you back on the show. You did a brief stint with us on our end-of-the-year Authority Brands Convention episode, and we wanted to uh, invite you back to do a full episode, and you just so happen to be in the area and in the studio, (laughs) which is always exciting for us. Live and in person. Live and in person. That's me. And do you want us to address you as George or DJ George? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that's part of the story. Now you just call me George. DJ Jazzy George. <laughs> or, or as my kids call me, Poppy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we'll leave that one to them, but uh, we'll see about the, the George yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, so, George, you are operating a Mr. Sparky Electric and Benjamin Franklin Plumbing franchise out of San Antonio, Texas. Yep, we are. I'll make a little adjustment on that. My two kids uh, actually are, are owners of the Ben Franklin I uh, got some tutorship involved in that, helping them along. But, uh, yeah, it's a family affair for sure. For, fantastic, fantastic. And as we often like to do as we invite guests onto the show here, we like to hear the origin story. You know, uh, did you get bit by a spider or what happened that you, you, all of a sudden you started turning into electrician? So tell us your story, how you got into the trades and what you're doing now. Well, to be honest with you, um, the short story is it was kind of by accident, you know. I, I So it I, was a spider then? It wasn't a spider. It was actually, uh, <laughs> I was a DJ, you know, in high school. I there it is. Went out and got a job and uh, realized that $2.10 an hour wasn't going to cut it in life, right? I had already moved out of the home by then. And my dad's house, always kind of been a, been a guy that kind of chased my own dream. So uh, got a little, bought some equipment with a little buddy of mine, and we started playing little gigs on the on the weekends and uh, Fridays and Saturdays, and do two or three stints for in those two days, and did really good. But we had a couple of guys in town that were some definite competition, and our circle of work was the high schools, all the schools, the parochial schools. That's where we we went after. All of us went after the same customer, really. At that at that point. And uh, I realized I needed something different. And hence comes the electrical, decided I need to, to build some kind of a lighting system in order for me to have a little bit more than the, the competition. Are so. we talking like a laser show? No, more like just some flashing lights. Okay, so that nice. was that, It was that simple at that time. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I thought to myself, well, how am I going to do that, right? So we went down to the local um, local. builder's box store, which back in that point, there was no Home Depot or Lowe's. They had... A, they had Ace Hardware, and they had a Handy Dan. It was called Handy Dan back then, in San Antonio area, anyways. So we, uh, I got a little how-to electrical book, which I didn't have any money. I spent $10 and read it from front to back, and then took it back and got my money back. So then I had this basic knowledge of what I needed to do. So... And that's all it took to become a master electrician. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. That's <laughs> Take it simple. from the plumber here. It's that simple, man. So uh, bought the st- bought the stuff, made our little light show, and uh, just kept building from there. And eventually, we became uh, probably the largest port- largest portable little DJ in the San Antonio area. Did real good with that. Made lots of money for. Uh, for a 17, 18 year old kid. So now the, the, did you increase your prices because of the light show? <laughs> Actually, no, I just got more business. Oh, okay. All well, right. You know, All I right. mean, you that go, works too. I, it was more fun than, than money. We, you know, where could you go? Wouldn't get, get all the fun and all the, all the girls. Right. And, <laughs> and just have a good time and be the life of the party. And, and everybody wants to know who's George. Right. So that was pretty cool. I guess at that age, it was just, it was, it was awesome. So I guess that kind of wore off a couple of years later. I grew up and uh, decided that I needed to start thinking about what I was going to do for the future. 
and decide, uh, since I had already was a master electrician, <laughs> not really, just <laughs> pretending, but uh, I said, I'm going to get a job as an electrician. So I did, and uh, I was back to that to the minimum wage thing, but I, I stayed with that gentleman for about a year and a half, two years. And I guess I was about 20 and decided I was going to, I was going to figure it out. Right. So went into my own business and uh, kind of wandered around for quite a while trying to figure it out. Got licensed during that process, got a German's license, then I got a master's license. And then I got into uh, the heavy lifting of new, new uh, residential construction, did that for about 10 years and, and just never made a lot of money at it, but it was a good, it was a good business. And then I switched over to restaurants and we did national count new, new construction restaurants and and became the go-to guys in San Antonio for that. Literally, we did probably 40, 45 or 50 percent of the restaurants that came up. Our name was usually on that job. Wow, yeah. So it was cool. It was cool. Wasn't a high volume, but uh, we did a lot of that kind of work. And then that went on until 2005 or six. Housing crisis. Well, housing crisis won. We were out of that already. But the bigger deal was I went to see my investment guy. You know, I had three kids. I was already 45 at the time. And I said, you know, I got to figure out what the future looks like. I was trying to think about the back end, you know, 15 years later, 20 years later, retire. And my, my investment guy at the time, you know, it, uh, goes and puts a little package and says, you want the good news or the bad news? And uh, the good news was I, I still have plenty of ability. I'm alive and I'm working. The bad news oh. was you're going to have to uh, do something else at 65 if you want to keep on living the way you're living. Oh, man. Or it's the way of life we had. So uh, he said, I said, well, what did I do? And he says, uh, well, unless you want to put, you got $20,000 a month to put away in a, in a fund of some sort, uh, you're not going to be able to live like you're going to live at 65 and just walk away and enjoy life. So what are the alternatives? Well, the alternatives was finding a business that would sustain us long after my retirement age. And so started looking around and franchising. And we almost ended up over at the, one of the neighborly companies. And then I went to, uh, down to Florida and met Mr. Abrams. That was the original owner of, of Clockwork. And uh, Jim Abrams. Yeah, Jim, uh, Jim Abrams. Yeah, Jim yep. Abrams. And, uh, of course, he, he, he flew us out there and wined us and dined us and Showed us a good time and, and wowed me with all of the uh, franchise material, and, and, I, and I bought the first franchise. But here's the but. Then I spent 10 years kind of fighting the deal for completely fighting the system and, and, and not realizing how critical that was, a, was, was part of, of the success story, right? So um, just decided to turn around at that point and follow the system, and here we are. I guess that was, what, seven, eight years ago, and now we're – Pushing seven million dollars, and it's a it's a good program. Where I think we're highly regarded in our system, and I've got an unbelievable team, and uh, it's 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 a good story. You know, I'm enjoying myself and, and being able to come out and hang out with guys like you. It's awesome. It really is. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for coming and hanging out with guys like <laughs> us because we've we've enjoyed the last couple yeah. days and looking forward to tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be awesome. So let's uh, let's do a live check in now. You said you're about seven million. So how many trucks on the road do you have? We got uh, sixteen trucks. We're running uh, thirteen right now. Hard thirteen. We got three that are kind of sitting out there trying to fill. We had lost some people in December. Just a couple of guys that they were kind of bad seats. So it was a good time, you know, at the end of the year. Um, and then we got uh, four trucks running um, installers. There's I think a total of six of them that roll between these four trucks, depending on the job load. Sometimes we'll have them all in one place. Other times they'll be split up and 
four different teams. Uh, sometimes be one guy to a team. It just depends on what the load is. Uh, and that's it. And, and uh, so we're running, you know, 20 trucks, give or take, with our installers. But we stay busy. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate your evolution. I mean, you went from, uh, you know, kind of being the employee to doing new construction, to doing commercial construction or commercial electrician, to doing now residential retro electrical. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, through that whole process, specifically when you were starting into the residential world uh, in this last iteration, did you start from scratch? Did you have any of the commercial guys that transferred over with you or what did that look like? That's a very, very good, interesting question. You know, in the construction world, um, we, we, we run with a little rougher crowd. Right. These guys are... are I've are, seen Brian. <laughs> He's a perfect example, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, you, we, I had some probably, because I had about 15 electricians at that other company, and probably 10 of them were, were tenured over 10 years. These were guys that have been with me a long time. Good guys. Just rough. Independent. You know, do their own thing. And uh, it was, uh, it, unfortunately, I wasn't able to bring any of those people over. So it's like starting from scratch. It really was. Wow. So does that mean that you started as tech number one in, in this company? I wouldn't go that far, but it was real close. I okay. ran calls on the weekend to get acclimated what we're doing. My son actually got out of high school and he was my first employee. Okay. Yeah. And he went, to, I sent him off to school, the training. They had a couple of, tra- I can't remember what trainings he went to, two of them over uh, a month worth of time. And a couple of centers I sent him to there in Houston, some of our, uh, of our other Sparkies down in the Houston area. And then put him in a truck, and away we go. And then I just kind of tried to put it on autopilot, you know, and it didn't, didn't work out too good. But uh, we were off, that's for sure. So you've grown it from one employee to about 40 now, is that right? Yeah, yeah about 40 with our call center, all our admin, our leadership staff, and our techs and our installers, yeah. That's fantastic. And that's, I think, what makes this story particularly compelling because there's a lot of guys who are sitting in that uh, two to three to four million dollar range, right? <clears throat> They're trying to figure out how to get over that hump. And there's, there's often these plateaus in business where you, you have your ground up guys who are just trying to get started. And then you have that small business level where you're in that, you know, three to five million dollar range. And that's where a lot of people get stuck yep. because it's, it's a mindset shift where you go from being the operator to allowing other people to operate for you. And for some guys, that's that's not who they want to be. They always want to have the fingers in and doing stuff and, and tweaking things and, and being part of the show. And for other people, they're willing to step back and hire good people and, and grow them and train them into a position where they make similar decisions to what they would do if they were in that position. So as you've evolved through, you know, going from one employee yourself to now nearly 40 over the last several years, what has that journey looked like? I mean, what have, what are the lessons that you've learned and the things that you look back, if you were coaching somebody who's sitting at that $3 million spot right now, you say, here's what, here's what you need to focus on. Yeah. I think the number one thing is, is having the knowledge to understand what it is you're trying to do. And especially more importantly, understanding uh, what your limitations are. And, and I really, I think part of the evolving involvement for me during the process as I was leaving, leaning from the commercial business over to the Sparky business was, um, I, I was just a guy that did it all. You know, I always made all the decisions, very A-type person, manic, OCD, I'm, I'm that guy. 
And I think that that was a real struggle. And my son was with me in the business. I think I might have told the story earlier, but my son, the one that was my first employee, decided to go out on his own as he as he grew up. And uh, that was rough. It was rough on us and the family because we just always did everything together. And it was crazy. It was really, it was really uh, compelling for me. And so when he left, and he was a, a Jeremy type guy or Logan type guy, sold a lot. He, he, he basically took about half our revenue with us, with him when he left. And so I had to really make some decisions about how I was going to move forward because I had no idea, you know, to me, it was, it was just make the decisions, make, tell everybody what they needed to be doing and it would happen. And, uh, immediately I realized that King grinding to a halt because my two, my other two employees, which is Brian and, uh, my son-in-law and my daughter, Sherry, uh, were the principals now in the business and, um, we immediately had some friction, and I had to make a decision about staying or, or, or going in terms of out of operations. And it was a hard decision, but I can tell you that one flip right there was probably the hardest decision I ever made, but it's the most been the most rewarding. And it not only changed my business, but it changed me personally. And so I can tell you um, if there's any, any advice I'd give is make sure you understand who you are, what your limitations are, and what is the – what you can give or take away from the company to ensure the success of the people around you and the well-being of the company itself. Right. So you're talking about perspective. You need to have a healthy perspective and an honest assessment of your own capabilities. Right. I mean, if, if you know, Brian was trying to uh, be the micromanager with the details guy, it's, it's not going to work well. <laughs> no, we're going to. I told you this in my office earlier, George. If I was in charge of organizing things, nothing would get organized. Yeah. Right. And if I was trying chaos, to, if I was trying to be the dynamic and outgoing, you know, trainer that Brian is, it also wouldn't work well. Yeah. And so that's something that especially as you are a lot of a lot of people in our space are sole proprietors, you know, or they're one, two, three, four, five guys crew, a uh, guy crew. And like so they are they're in every single decision yep. and they're part of it and they have to be. It's the nature of what they do, just like you are experiencing. Yep. What is it about that release where you say, OK, Here's, here's where I can go and no farther, or here's somebody who can do it better than I can. That is so difficult for us to do. Why can't we, why can't we honestly see that faster and then experience the reward that you're, you're living out right now? So let me tell you about that. I got to tell exactly how that all transpired. So once, once, once the three of us made the decision, uh, that it was time for me to, to take a different position in the company and, and, and I made that decision we were there like, uh, uh, you know, what do we do with our hands kind of thing? You know, what do you do? How do you get this done? And we realized that the process procedures and SOPs that we currently now employ, that we've employed from the beginning, we had to build that. And it took us about a year to build that. In the meantime, we're just trying to sustain ourselves, uh, make enough revenue to, to get by. But we knew this foundation had to be, had to be put together. So uh, that's what we did. And once we did that, then we could see uh, and understand what the capabilities of the people were going to put, put in these positions. And we had basically a roadmap. And that's, that's the thing I think probably was the most important part of this journey, other than me uh, deciding to take that high road and move on and, 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 and do the things that I'm extremely good at, which is numbers. Uh, you know, and, and I'm extremely manic to begin with. So being able to see and forecast something way out is something that I'm, I think I'm gifted at. I'm good at it, at that. And so as time went on um, and we started uh, not only understanding but perfecting these, the evolution of how we run our business, 
I was able to make some good decisions back from the original quarry, some good decisions on who we were put in those places. And I've been for, very, very fortunate. My, my two kids and Sherry and Brian are extremely uh, successful at what they do. And, and, and I think that's bode well for, for our growth and where we are today. Yeah, so it's about, I'm hearing you say it's about trusting, but also setting up some guide rails so that you feel more confident in that trust. Exactly. You know, and, and, and we have to produce. The company has to produce and we have to be making those inroads in order for us to, to be able to be, to have success in a, on a, a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. I mean, it's just time doesn't stop. You know, it just keeps on going. So yeah, Time marches on, as they say. Yep. So one thing that, um, you know, I know you focus a lot on is training. In your teams, you know, you do leadership training. I'm sure you do technical training and all that stuff. Our audience is, you know, made up of a lot of frontline people. We have a lot of technicians, electricians, and plumbers listening to this who are there in a truck right now. They're not sitting on your side of the table. You know, they don't have a desk. They don't have a lot of uh, high-level decision-making powers. They're running their own show, uh, but it's still within the context of somebody else's company. So as you reflect upon your journey from employee to now employer, what are the things that you teach and train to your, your people, your technicians, your electricians? What, what do you tell them are the things that make the difference in terms of not only their personal outcome and what they can do for their own lives, but how that relates to the company and their future and the growth and everything else that goes with that? I, I think um, there's three words that describe that to me the easiest, would, which would be habit of service. So, you know, um, if, if you service... There's service in everything that you do. Uh, it's going to compound to to positive results in whatever your endeavor is. And that's I think that's what we teach on a consistent basis: is um, be good to the people around you, be good to your customers, be good to yourself, and and the success will naturally follow. So I would probably say because I can be long-winded with that and go on and on and on, but I think that's the most important thing. Was that something that you struggled with personally, George, or did you always have like a natural, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to treat you like my mom, you know, like Tommy Mello says, hey, treat everybody like you treat your mom and you'll do just fine. Was that natural for you when you were an electrician or did you have to learn your way into that? I think um, I, I was good at that. What I was not good at was was articulating that exact attitude to others. I almost felt like my struggle and my limitations were because I tried to, to, to do what I thought was best in terms of leading people around in that habit of service. And sometimes it really came off the wrong way. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't think I was really strong in it. I think the intent was always there. One of the reasons I was in that type of business, the commercial side of it was I enjoyed uh, a project that was going to have an end result and, and, and truly satisfaction for my customers. And that, that, that made me feel good. And so, yeah, if that answers the question, I think, I think so. So the home services is a tough gig. I think we can all agree that it's, it's hot, it's cold, it's uncomfortable. There's weird spaces, weird lifting, you're beating up your hands, your body, uh, you're dealing with homeowners in difficult situations. You can't get parts. You don't have the right tools. Everything can go wrong and make your day miserable. Yeah, You're well acquainted with that from both sides of the equation, being in the field as well as being in the office. If you can speak encouragement to you know the, the people in the field right now and say, hey, I've been there, and this, these are the things that I did to overcome. You know, to, to, the, to be an overcomer, these are the things that I did 
when stuff was going south, when, you know, stuff wasn't working out the way it was supposed to. These are the things that I did that made the difference that kept me going on. You know, it's back to just process procedures. You, 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 and I can't, and I talk about that till I'm blue in the face. You have to keep marching forward one step in front of that. What's the saying that, uh, what's that saying? You got to start every journey begins with the first step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. You just never stop and you ride through the ups and downs because, um, sometimes when things are, 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 are exceedingly going well for you and you guys all know we're in this business and it, it there's times and where we're having unbelievable, um, performance and unbelievable success. But in th- those times, there's a lot of undue stress as well. I mean, it's almost feast or famine type of thing and mentality. But for me, um, I think you just have to keep moving forward and you have to understand and learn how to delegate um, and, and find, the, um, find the people that can achieve the results from everything that you're doing within your business. That's incredibly important. I think the selection of your personnel and also the prowess and understanding what makes that person successful in a particular role is critically important as well. And we're going through all that right now. We're finding right now at our scale as we're growing how important it is to put the people in these positions that are a different level. It's not so, it can't as easy at the level in management. Uh, just take somebody you hire up. He's a great guy. He goes to, comes to work on time every day, but you don't know what you don't know, you know? And that's the thing that we're starting to run into because everything we've, learn to self-taught you know and and uh, people and peers like your company here helping folks like me to to achieve the things that we have dreamed about our lives and and i can tell you it's worth the backside of it is uh, my life is nothing like it was just 10 years ago you know, i live a good life we have these daily um things happening from time to time but um we're in a good place mentally i don't think i don't think i have a bad day anymore i don't care how bad it gets around <laughs> the office i just i mean life is good man that's because you don't have to work with Brian. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what are some of those things that you look for when you're, when you're making those hires, whether you're hiring somebody in the field or whether you're looking to promote within or whatever it is, what are the things that stand out to you that say, you know, these, these are the, the ingredients of the recipe that I want to make to have the best cake? Yeah, you know, again, back to habit of service, good character is incredibly important. Um, I would say... The, the ability to, to articulate their communication is critically important. I would say their ability to understand uh, and, and have empathy for anybody for any reason is critically important. Um, those are the kind of things that make up a recipe for a good, a good employee and a good person. Most of the stuff you can teach in our world, um, but you can't teach habit of service. You either have that or you don't. And I think some of the success we had is like that. You know, we've, I was, I think you were telling me about the, I don't know who was telling me, was it this morning about the, got a call from a lady that they had uh, done some work with one of your jobs yesterday and they were, she was so happy. Uh, she had come home and they stopped what they were doing. The installers, I even they asked, went outside and pulled her groceries and took them inside and put them in the kitchen and then they went back to work and she's, she was calling in tears and describing that very thing. And I just, that's profound, but that's, that's, that's the kind of people we want in our companies. Yeah, shout out to Owen Nicodemus, who was yeah. the lead installer on that job. Yeah, and he didn't do that because he's trying to get a rise. He didn't do that because he wanted to get a tip or something. He did that because that's just what he does, right? That's who he is. That's yep. that's that's it, man. And we're 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 lucky to have that kind of 
those kind of folks working for companies like ours because it's incredibly important that we surround ourselves with that kind of that kind of those kind of folks and that kind of attitude. It's it's what makes us roll every day. Yeah, if, if you interview someone who's not that kind of person, it is worth waiting until you find that kind of person. <laughs> You're exactly right. Because he would, if he saw you unloading books out of the trunk of your car here in the parking lot, he'd do the same thing. Yeah, we do a lot of causal stuff in San Antonio in our business as well, and we enjoy that tremendously. I mean, we, we, we get off. We went on a, we had a Meals on Wheels deal a few years ago. We went and uh, shut down our business for a day to deliver those meals, and we raised money for a month for those guys. It's so simple for our companies. I just took the service call money for a month and gave it to them. It was, you know, eight 9000 bucks, and at that time, and uh, just I can't even describe uh, the joy we had because uh, we had all the employees, we shut down and we took all the company trucks and they took their personal cars. Every employee at that time, I think it was 20 or 29 of us, and and we went and delivered these meals. It was awesome. It was wonderful. And this is this is what makes good people, you know. So the the struggle there that I believe you're talking about. I mean, you have some ebbs and flows even within your current business. Yeah. What what were those? What was that like when you were um, downsizing? Yeah. Um, not necessarily voluntarily either. You know, you, you've gone through quite a bit there uh, of turmoil and rebuilding and restructuring back from the ground up again. Walk us through that story. Well, I think the biggest thing that w- that I found through this time, and one of the things that even today holds holds me back a little bit is the fact you need to to try to stay out of debt in our kind of business. You have to. You, it's just a, it's a necessary evil. And sometimes it slows down production, slows down your ability to grow your business, but it's incredibly important. So I would say that that's going to be a very critical, critical path. Um, just being a good steward of, of, of how you're spending the revenue in terms of the operational support you put into this company, plus planning for later. You know, what is, what is extra money? Like you're talking about this morning, what does an extra 60K mean in a month? What are we going to do with that money? How are we going to move it into the business to make a difference and, and grow our business? Uh, I don't know, call it downsizing. Uh, usually when we have a, a really bad time, that hasn't happened in quite a while. We've been very fortunate. I think and you can say it's the market, but I think it's just having the good people around and they've tenured and they've understood what makes this business tick, and it continues to move forward no matter what. And I think that's that's all a product result of a staying back on our process, procedure, and SOP. So organization, know what you don't know. Everybody says you don't know what you know. No, no I say know what you don't know. Uh, I was listening to your podcast on, 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 uh, on uh, Ken just a little bit ago and then last night for a little bit and that guy talks about that you know not he went around in the beginning not figuring out not knowing what he needed to know in order to take his business to the next level ken goodrich yeah ken goodrich and he uh he continued on and look what he's done now and so uh, i think it's 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 do your homework um, find your find your space find your strength understand your people um and, and and think good things will happen. I don't think the the, the slow th- the slow thing is it's not a myth. Obviously, you got market swings, but I think you can always keep yourself in a good space by consistently trying to move yourself forward and consistently having a habit of service not only to your customers to your employees as well. Yeah, for, first to the employees. <laughs> for real, yeah. you're not going to see your customers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, George, you've used that phrase several times now: habit of service. Yeah. Define that for us as George Saldana knows it. Doing 
doing things that are uncommonly common, you know, for anybody around you, anybody that needs help or needs something, or you see an urge or you see a need from somebody that has something that needs to be done. You just, it's just, whether it's a training for one of your employees, it's counseling one of your employees, it's counseling a customer, it's helping a customer, it's bringing groceries in from the car, anything you do that would, that, that's going to not only create a better energy for yourself and the people around you, but it's going to help move on the psyche of all your people together and forward. It does. I mean, you, you know, it's like in that room, like this morning and the energy that's in a room when you're doing things that make you feel good. And we're, we're human beings. I think God designed us that way. And it, uh, it's good stuff. I don't know else how to say it. It's just, so you're literally talking about like always be serving like in every area of your life, always be ready, ready and willing to put yourself out there to do things for people. Maybe yes. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and reword the Alec Baldwin quote. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've actually, I was just thinking about on the drive-in this morning. Um, it's so easy in, in my relationship with my wife. Like I think it's easier in many ways to over-serve like you know, honey, I'll, I'll put the kids to bed tonight. Honey, you know, I'll take care of this. I'll clean up the room. Oh, easy. You know, George it's, and my wife might listen to this, bro. You need to <laughs> just back off. Well, I know bit, your right? wife won't listen to this, and, and <laughs> we'll leave that up to George. But I think in many ways it's it's better to live in that space, even though it's unnatural, Yeah. because the alternative is me thinking way too much about me. Yeah. And like, well, she owes me this, and like I put the kids to bed last night, and it's her turn tonight, and that type of stuff. And like, if you just consistently put yourself in that place of service, like, I think you end up feeling better. Yeah. I'm a, I'm you a, end up feeling better and, and life generally goes better. Yeah. I'm going to pick on, uh, on, uh, on Brian here. Cause I'm, I'm the same place you were. I've been married 38 years. Right. And the first 10 years I was just not that good husband. I didn't support good. And it was always about me. Right. And so I went into overdrive one day. I just have an epiphany probably I don't know, 20 years ago and realized what I had. This wonderful woman that decided to spend her life with me, and now I chase her around like a puppy dog, almost to a fault, almost to it. <laughs> it's to, almost to it bothers her, you know. Every morning, how beautiful you are, and I love you. Oh, just on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, it was so, weird to see you. She's not here this week, so you were doing it to Nate this morning. Which is kind of <laughs> well, you know. Anyway, so so yeah, you're right. It feels good. I didn't used to be that person. I used to just be pissed off at everything all the time because of the gigantic amount of load I put on myself and it was usually driven from my work I mean I just tried to do everything because I've always just wanted the very best for everybody and when I see dysfunction or I see um, or I saw this is I saw this is not so much what I'm doing today but I used to be where if I saw somebody doing less what I knew they were capable of doing it drove me insane and it would come off very bad when I would I would comment on that and provide some structure I thought was positive when it wasn't. And so, uh, and now doing this, engaging in this kind of behavior, which is constantly trying to habit of service. Uh, and like from my wife, it just, it feels good. It's good to feel good most of the time, you know, you just walk around, you're just, Hey, what's up? <laughs> so that epiphany that you had in your personal life, you know, where, if you allow me to say, you went from being more selfish to selfless, right? Oh, yeah. You know, did that translate back into business? In any way? Yeah, I think so. I think. Or, it, or were you like me and 
already doing it in the business but then when you get home you're like it's my turn to be served yeah right? yeah yeah that's not a good but trust me that's not a good process if you make it out 38 years trust me you, you, you gotta do it the other way but uh yeah i think it transcended to um and don't get me wrong we still struggle when we have disagreements um, there's three of us i'm so enamored with with, with the crew you guys have the top the executive crew you have because everybody's got an equal voice everybody's got an equal attitude and it's okay to, it's okay to have a difference of opinion not to worry about getting kicked out of the building you know you guys realize it's the sum of the parts not the sum not the, the one guy yeah that's a good way of explaining you know? it so so i think that's that's super cool and so yes i think i think i'm just in the beginning i think um looking at this is really i, re- I realized i just sitting there yesterday that how much that's the goal. That's where I want to be. And I didn't even know what it was until I saw it in play yesterday. It was really cool, man. Yeah, so we ended our management meeting, our leadership meeting, our EOS. Uh, level 10. Level 10. Level 10 meeting. And then George came and joined us, and we just kind of continued like we were still in the meeting and let George chime in and just see how we did things and had a, had a great time. It was cool. In fact, tell Brian and Sherry we're opening up a seat at the conference room table for you. So. <laughs> yeah, I should have loved that. <laughs> now there are two. Yeah, I, I drive them crazy because uh, they, they just, they I, I don't know what it is. I think they're just youthful and young, and, and sometimes they think I'm I'm just kind of dumb. I don't know. It's okay. That's that, if, if that's what they're thinking most of the time, then I'm doing my job right. I got them leading their own way, and, and uh, you know, that's what I want is just to, to provide a legacy for my for my family, a legacy yeah. for my kids. Leading their own ways. That's it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I've got a quote ready for this uh, <laughs> this episode, yeah. and you wouldn't hear the quote because you're you're um, not part of the intro with us, but the quote yeah. is a Craig Groeschel quote, which was, if you delegate tasks, you create followers. If you delegate authority, you create leaders. Yep. Which is exactly what you're trying to do with your leadership team with Brian and Sherry. That's it. That's it. And they're going to be exceptionally good at it. I, I already know. You know, we, we, we struggle a lot of times. There's just three of us. I, I, I can imagine how much, it, how much more effective it is when you have a little bit more than just three of you. That everybody's coming up with a different ideology, heading in the same direction. And, and it all comes together for, with a good final solution. You know, that's, that's just uh, that's good stuff. George, have you done uh, much promoting from within, you know, from like the frontline people to maybe field supervisors? Or I don't know what your structure is, but. Yes, we, 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 we've done that as we've grown. Um, so my call center manager, uh, Nelly, um, she started as a CSR and became exceptionally proficient at it. And what, one of the things we're finding a lot of times, too, and we're being very careful now because it kind of it kind of bit us is the girl before her that was um, the call center manager, and we struggled with her. When she had a lot of deficiencies, and we had no idea it was sitting there next to her, which is Nellie. And once we had Nellie, moved her up because we finally had to let this other person go, and Nellie moves up, and then we realize, well, what have we been doing this right, time? We've right. had this unbelievable person right there. So, yes, we are constantly on that lookout. But on this other side of, this, of the coin, We've we've made some adjustments in our company and found out it was too much to bear, and and then you lose a good employee that was fine where they were, um, but you have to be careful with your own ideology and understanding not only the nature of what these people are capable of doing, but you got to understand what it is they want to do, and that's been a that's still an exercise ongoing for us trying to figure out what that sweet spot is and understanding that. 
and seeing that. What was your personal trajectory? Did you go from being an apprentice to being owner like immediately or did you rise to the ranks yourself? <laughs> the, the funny story going back to the beginning when I went to work for uh, the, uh, the electrician for a little bit, I told you after I got out of the DJ gig was um, I, I really and truly got fired for every job I had because I was one of the guys that just, I didn't like divisioncy and I'd open my mouth when it shouldn't be open. Kind of like Brian here, you know, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I always uh, feel like it should be open. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got fired and I went into business because I couldn't keep a job is to be mm. totally honest with you. But the downside of that is I spent the next, you know, literally 25, 30 years just beating my head against the wall. I really right. did. Even though I enjoyed the work in the back end before I switched all the way over to the Sparky um, model and went all in, um, uh, that's that that was it. I guess that was it. I have to look back and say, yeah, that was the transition. And that was tough. Yeah. The reason I'm asking is because, you know, as, as we do have a lot of listeners who are on the front line, you know, everybody's looking at a timeline saying, I can't do this forever. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I got my, my 20, my 30 years or whatever my body's going to allow me to do. And then eventually I'd like to not be on call anymore. Yeah. And I'd like to not be in and out of a crawl space if I don't have to. And so a lot of people are looking for that end, that end game. And so as you've grown your company and you've looked at, you know, promoting from within and, and drawing people from the front line into more of a supervisory role and perhaps into more of an, even an office role and those types of things. What are the, what are, are there different characteristics to that development than there is to the initial hire? I mean, you talked a lot about habit of service and empathy and that stuff. Does the skill set change that you're looking for if you already have an existing employee whom you're looking to move into leadership? That's a very good question. I think having the techs and the CSR, whether they're in the CSR department, call center department, or they're, they're actually running the calls or installing, I think it's important to understand. Again, we get back to process and procedures. Process and procedures, SOPs, if these people are capable uh, and you watch what they've done in their positions and they're able to do the job and understand the job and enjoy that work, uh, in other words, do it with no duress, then I think those bode well to help you understand if they're necessarily ready to go into an, a new type of job. And again, back the only drawback is 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 making these decisions uh, without without them. In other words, not having them involved in that process because the, the the Pandora's box is if you open that up to the to the to the person and then you and you know they have the capabilities and then um, they decide that's not something they want to do. That's a negative situation that that transcends no matter what you do they stay they go now they feel like maybe it's a mistake then you feel like you're going to maybe have some problems with the existing employer and the right they're letting you down you're yeah. letting them down yeah you know yeah and you try to you try to do to, to get them to move on up anyways and and then it just ends up being a struggle so i think that's the that's the that's the edge here is the rub is is it goes both ways you know because you can see what they're capable of doing along the journey in their own jobs and, it, and then and then becomes the delicate part of where are they going, and sometimes it's uh, they move on. You know, they just have to. Like he said, I, I, I don't have a problem with Ted going into his own business. I'll support him any way I can, um, because if they're doing that for the right reasons, it's great. You know, they're going to get a they have a chance to go out and make their own mark in the world, and that's I, I always support that. So. And that's a journey you've done yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're well familiar with it. Yeah. And yeah. what happens? Far more times than not, as they realize it's it's a bigger uh, meal than they were prepared to eat, and yep. they, they come back with a whole new appreciation for what it takes to 
to just have them be able to show up in the morning and have a few calls to run and a stocked truck fueled up and ready to go and insurance and everything. And uh, this this entrepreneurship isn't for everybody, they find out. So it's yeah. nice either yeah. way. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's 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 not easy. I mean, like uh, running a business today is nothing like it was just 10 years ago. I mean, the amount of moving parts, the um, the, the structures, the Google, I mean, the, the, the marketing side of it, understanding that, understanding customers, the, the amount, the mass amount of visibility consumers now have into your world before you ever get to see them. All those things uh, compound um, difficulty. And, and, you know, I think, I think what we're doing and how we're doing it in the habit of service bodes well for the future of our kinds of businesses, but it's hard. It's not easy. Most of these employees re- realize that. And uh, most of the time we don't get them back, you know, kind of once you leave, it's a tough to come back, but we have leave the door open. You leave, right. You're always welcome back, but it's been struggled with success on that side for us, I think. And probably just because it's uh, more of a, just a, just a nature thing for them. They feel bad. They had success. They left, had no success. How do you come back from that? You know? Sure. Yeah. It's, that's know. challenging. Um, uh, something that is challenging is standard operating procedures. And that's where I feel a lot of younger companies, uh, smaller companies are deficient because a lot of it is just like, Hey, well, whatever Brian says, you know, we just do whatever Brian says, whatever George says, we do whatever George says, you know, that's what you should start doing, Nate. So (laughs) you've mentioned, uh, there's a funny guy right here. Yeah. 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 You can tell by how hard Nate's laughing. Is your mic still working, Brian? (laughs) Uh, George, you've mentioned SOPs and, and procedures and stuff several times yeah. just in the, the short interview we've had here so far. When you look back upon your journey through Mr. Sparky, what are some of the highlight SOPs that you say, this, this made the difference? When we put this into place, things changed for the better. When we put this into place, pain was alleviated and we served better and we performed better and we operated better and we became more efficient and more effective and more profitable what are some of those highlights as you reflect upon your Sparky career? Well, there's 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 a, a, a number of processes in running the business, obviously, but I think the most important thing of the processes themselves is the consistency and the accountability you have to not only yourself, the company, and your employees, and most importantly, your customers. But I think that's probably the single most thing is consistency to be consistent with everything you're doing, because pro- there's a process for everything. There's a, I mean, there truly is in a procedure. And more importantly, the standard operating procedures. I think the biggest thing we learned after a couple of years in, in still putting these together and then putting them out to practice was was the SOP side of it. We didn't do that early on. You know, the standard operating procedures, which is what we do on a daily basis, and we close out the day with these items, so they don't get left they don't get left behind for the next day. I think that was probably the single most uh, impactful thing that we do now, whether it's in our call center whether it's in uh, closing out our VMIs for our trucks, getting the orders out for the day instead of the following morning just a frenzy trying to get stuff out. Uh, I think I think we do that pretty darn good, and that's probably where it is. Again, it's not a great answer for you, but I think consistency in the process that you do have and, and true, defined, accountable SOPs is what's going to make or break the success of your company. I believe that. We developed all of ours ourselves. We utilize the backbone of the franchise system. We run the calls the way the franchise tells us, but we developed our own process and procedures and SOPs, to be frank for you, was just because there wasn't enough information, enough defined characteristics for us to follow. So that's why we did ours. It wasn't nothing elaborate. We just, 
we start with a job description. You know, what's this job description going to look like? Okay, what's this? What's this person going to do? What are what are his processes on a daily basis? You know, and, and what's his, what's his role? And then, and, you know, how does how does he do it? What's the procedures? How is he going to get all that done? And then finally, when does he have to do all these things? What's the required order of that? And I think that's that's why we went down our own road and uh, almost to a point of overkill, you know. I, but I think it keeps us moving. I think that's why a company as small as ours are able to do. And I don't think we're ex- incredibly stellar or anything, but I think we're, we're pretty darn effective for the size and scale that we are. What's a good example of like a standard operating procedure you have for your electricians uh, that you think makes a, a solid change to, for the better in their day? Uh, or VMI truck stock and keeping that truck clean and orderly. I okay. think and VMI stands for vendor managed inventory. Right. We don't own the material; it's owned by the supplier. Like a consignment situation. Yep. Okay. So at the end of every day, you're having them fill out some type of order form where they're restocking all the parts they've used. Yeah, they do that themselves on service time. That stuff that order goes in; it's sent in our our warehouse. Uh, Manager then takes those in, those orders, gets them out to the supplier. They then follow the follow more, and they're coming to the to back to the to the shop in boxes with the truck n- numbers on them, and then they're put into the trucks. So it's a something that happens on a daily basis. Yes, right. I mean, for the technicians, electricians, and plumbers listening, how frustrated is it when you're out in the middle of your day and you go for something in the truck and it's not there yep. and it's supposed to be there, <laughs> and it's because you used three of them yesterday yeah. and never put that order exactly. in. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It slows everything down. Then either you have to drop what you're doing and go to a supply house or you have to have somebody run the part out to you. Right. And I can tell you internally, we get frustrated over running, you know, for all those of our employees listening, we get frustrated for running out what should be truck stock material to you in the middle of the day. That's extremely frustrating to say the least. Right. It drives me insane to be honest with you. But yeah, we, we keep that to a minimum and we find that if they're able to have structure in something as simple as that, it, it, it increases everything that they do. You know, the biggest thing for us and in, in the jobs in front of our consumers is, is their notes and what they're presenting to the customer. And when they're done, that all that information is validated in a, in a communication the customer can understand, and it's put into the system. So I think the ability for them to do everything they do comes from something as simple as making an order for three plugs that they used on that last service call that day. You're, you're exactly right. I think that's critically critically what makes them better. And it's, it's excellence in the small things that drives home excellence in the big things. Yep. Right. And, and that's, that's a piece of leadership that I think we all need to recognize and get behind. We, we, you know, the, the, the analogy about he who is given much to much is required. Right. And so if you're looking to move up or you're looking to advance in the company, you need to be good at the small things. You need to do what is, uh, what is expected of you now well, and when, when people recognize that and they see, wow, George, you know, he's, he's really good at these things. I wonder if we should give him a little bit more responsibility. I mean, the, the Bible talks about the, um, you know, the, the servants who one got one talent and one got five talents and one got 10 talents. And, you know, the guy who got 10, he, he turned around and turned it into 20. And the guy who got five, he turned it around, and turned it into 10. But the guy who got one got scared and went out and buried the coin. <laughs> and when the boss came back and said, you know, where's, where's the return? He said, oh, I knew you were a tough man. And I figured like, I didn't want to get in trouble with this thing. And, he's, and the boss is like, this is ridiculous. You should have at least put it in the bank so I could have made interest. 
so that he takes the he takes the coin or the talent and gives it to the guy who had 20 because he is the one who has demonstrated return right and so that same analogy can be used in terms of you know whether you're on the front line or mid-level management or wherever you are your success at the small things right now that may seem insignificant to you is being watched it's being observed it's being noted and for the development of where you can go in your career be faithful with what you've been given now and back to my three words habit of service comes back to that it's consistency everything you do and be accountable to yourself you know that's everything comes back to that for me that's why i keep saying that's my favorite three words habit of service you you got to, to constantly do the things that you're supposed to be doing on a daily basis I mean, hour, minute. I mean, every every part of your day, you're involved, and you have some children at home you're taking care of. You know what I'm talking about. You just do things because they need to be done. You don't need me to ask you or direct you. It's just, it's a habit of service. So whether you're taking groceries inside or picking up a newspaper, picking up the dog boo in the back, or 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 you're or you're taking your note, doing good notes, or you're whatever you're doing, it's a habit of service, man, and it's going to move you up. These, like you said, these these. These kids that are driving around trucks listening to this podcast, I can tell you, do do everything like it's something that you need to do. It's just it's important, and it'll 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 reap what good rewards for you. People I should have that. you do a training class for my kids. They could uh, <laughs> use a little bit of encouragement in the habit of service <laughs> area. <laughs> oh, it's, it ain't easy, you know, and it's 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 a lot of talk. But I also say these words on a consistent basis because. Um, it keeps me grounded. It keeps me moving forward. It keeps me wanting to to help the next person and be there and be that example. And I enjoy that. So, what about your evolution, George? I mean, you've been in the Sparky industry now for how long? Oh God, I I, I guess I bought in two thousand seven. So that's what twenty twenty two years, something like that. No wait, how long is that? Uh, not quite. Oh, no. So that would oh, be no. uh, 14, 18, 16, I believe yeah, this year will right. be 16. Yeah, I can't count. <laughs> it's fine. You're an electrician. We get it. Uh, so as being in the sparky world for that long, you know, you're certainly evolving yourself. You're not looking, I assume to stay a 40 person company. You're looking for the next level, which is probably part of the reason you're here hanging out with us today yep. and seeing what that looks like. Yep. Um, where do you see your team going? What's the next evolution for you and the thing that you're focusing on out there in the future? Well, the future for me and my family is to have truly have a business, and there's very few that can do it. I'm going to tell you that we, we're trying to get to is is where we were truly working on that business. I'm never in the business. I've been out of the operations literally for three years, and 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 I think that that lends tremendous value for my business. You know, I know if I was in a position or wanted to do something my business, it wouldn't be very difficult to me to do that. But for me, the important thing is 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 continuing that legacy uh, with my kids to enable us to really enjoy the fruits of our labor. And, and that's going to come also with evolutions of understanding how a management team can continue to move on, grow the business, because as you evolve, you have to grow. And we're back to what you talked about earlier, understand the characteristics and desires of your employees and, and moving them up into the next, the next step up and growing the business and continuing on and on and on. And uh, there's no really stopping. You know, we bought all the territory in San Antonio on both the plumbing and the and electrical. Uh, I knew back then, you're only as good as your weakest link, right? So we're true believers in that. And the market we live, we're the seventh largest city in, in the United States. And I think it, we can really go as far as we want to go. So ultimately, that's my plan. 
more than anything, just get it set to it's on autopilot. You don't need me anymore. The instructional leadership I'll, I'll provide over the next few years as I'm continuing to learn the craft of this business from guys like you and myself and, and other folks um, will enable me to do that. And I'm excited about it. Absolutely. So Brian talked this morning about differentiating yourself, and he was he was talking with our, our technicians, our installers, uh, all of our field staff about making your customer experience different than all the other ones out there. Another way of saying that is become memorable, right? I was just talking with a buddy of mine last night, and he has a job interview coming up, and it's not the full-blown job interview. It's like the 20-minute get-to-know-you, do we really want to move on to a second date type thing? And I said, the key thing there is to be memorable. They need to hang up that Zoom call or that phone call and say, huh, that was a pretty cool guy. I think we should get to know him a little better. When you translate that into the field and you're training your people or, or, or whoever it is that does the training at your organization is in front of them saying, be memorable, differentiate yourself. What does that look like in San Antonio for your Mr. Sparky? How are you different? How are you better? Um. I'm better because our customers are come completely first. You know, we have any kind of issues uh, in a, a job with a particular employee, whether it's customer generated or, or, or tech or my, one of my people generated or it's in my call center. We immediately at the highest level in the company below me will handle that immediately and resolve that situation. That makes us different. There's nobody that does has more of a commitment to customer base I believe in my area than, than, than us, a customer, whatever he's, it doesn't matter if he's wrong or he's right, we take care of him. And if that's, if the customer is unreasonable and he needs to be taken care of and that's what we're going to do. It's just, it's just habit of service back to that. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's one of those things, George, that you speak about it so much that I know it's real. Yeah. Like you're driving it home. And if you speak about that much, that means your people speak about it that much. And that means it carry it, it has to be carrying through. You can't say that same phrase six times in an hour podcast mm. and not believe it. Yeah. Like that's, that's real. And sometimes it's the simplest message that is the most effective one yeah. as opposed to like, Hey guys, here's a, a handbook of how we do business. Everybody read it, start at page two and work your way to page 900. No, let's, let's come up with a three word philosophy to how we go to market that everybody understands this is what it practically means and that in many ways can be far more effective than a handbook of all different scenarios and examples about what to do if you focus on concentrate on drive home the idea of habit of service or whatever it is for your particular organization that works for you that, that can be super effective, and I love how you keep bringing it up because yeah. it, it, it's real. And, you know, that's my version, you know. Um, like you said earlier, my, my, my trainers and my managers uh, will vo- vocalize that a little differently, but it's the same thing. We're all just about the customer, period, end of story. That's the way I do it, and I believe it. I mean, I, I own that stuff. I can say that, that you know, I'll, I'll give my last dollar to make a customer happy. And that's it. I mean, there's no... You know, if there's something goes bad, that's everything we do uh, is, is decisions we make. And so for me, it's just that's why we do what we do the way we do it. And we always have. And that's what I learned from this business. I mean, it wasn't just me deciding to do that. It's what everybody in our system seems to be doing. It's a reason why our system is so effective at what we do. I, I truly believe that there's, not, there's a reason we're at the top of the food chain you know, in this country with, with our services, whether it's the band, the one hour or the Mr. Spark, it's because of what we do and why we do it and that we believe it. It's not hard. 
It's almost like a religion to me. <laughs> yeah. So if you had to give one piece of advice to a technician in the field just getting started, and then one piece of advice to a say a new uh, new business owner just getting started, what would those pieces be? Um, Since you've done both, yeah, quite well. Yeah, I would say uh, accountability is going to be a, 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 a really huge part of their daily activity. Whether you're an owner or whether you're you're an employee. Be accountable to your processes. Be accountable to what your job description really looks like and what you hired yourself on for. As an owner, be accountable to your employees for the things you tell them to do. Don't have them doing something that you don't do. And certainly don't do something, talk about something you're not going to be consistent with. That's incredibly important. I made those mistakes time and time again. Not because I just didn't want to do it. It's because we're just always trying to do so much. But those little things are damaging. You have to be accountable. I'd say that from either side of the of, of the boat, whether you're the captain, the owner, or you're the, the guy rowing the boat, the technician, or the installer, be accountable to what it is you're supposed to be doing at all times. That's a great uh, closing message there, George. And as we bring things in for landing here, if people are interested in learning more about you, about uh, Mr. Sparky in San Antonio or the Benjamin Franklin or any things that you spoke about today, is there a good way to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can just call me at, uh, reach me at, uh, I'll give you my email address, george at Mr. Sparky, spelled out, S-A dot com. Or you can call me in my cell. Feel free to call me anytime. It's 210-669-5058. Just give me a holler. I'll be happy to talk to you anytime I can. That's what we do. That's what you guys do for us. And, and that's what we, we should be doing is helping uh, the other people in our system are just starting out. And just, uh, I think it's great. I appreciate the time here today. Yeah, it's been super to have you on, and uh, we appreciate everything that you're doing for the franchise, the, even the motto, you know, the the habit of service things that you're bringing into it that that reflects positively upon all of us, not only in the Mr. Sparky industry, the Mr. Sparky brand specifically, but in the home services industry as a whole. We're all trying to elevate and get better, and I think you brought a lot of great examples and ways that you're doing that. Yeah, and we definitely appreciate your. Uh mentorship you've, mm -hmm. we've been nate and i have been uh afforded the opportunity to chat with you many times over the last what nine years yeah jeff seven eight nine years and uh it's good to finally have you in the building here buddy and i appreciate you having me it's a big deal to me and i really appreciate you taking time man you guys are busy and i really really appreciate the ability to come over and see what you're doing it and it shows us that we're on the right track you know we're, we're, we're doing the, the right things i think and it's uh it's good it's good stuff well, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed your time listening with George Saldana. It was great to hear from him and all the things that he's got going on in San Antonio. Uh, very exciting to hear the evolution that he's gone through, not only personally, but also in business when it comes to growing from uh, you know new construction to commercial to now retrofit electricians and everything that comes with it and the journey that it's been to get there. And I think that's an important thing to remember here. It is a constant position of growth. We need to be always looking about how to get better, how to improve and not be satisfied or content in where we are currently sitting, but being looking for the next thing that will improve all of us. That's a great way to end things along with the accountability that George talked about there to make sure that you are holding yourself accountable to that mindset. And that's where we're going to leave it for here with our weekly challenge that we say every single time. And that is to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. 